sex and happiness. Both enrich our lives. Yet it's surprising how few people can honestly say that they enjoy regular and fulfilling sex or describe themselves and their lives as happy. Host Lori Handlers helps you to experience real intimacy and happiness. You'll laugh a little, learn a little, and we hope put a smile on your face and a smile in your life. Now here's Lori. Hi everybody, this is Lori Handlers and you're listening to another episode of Sex and Happiness show about your sex and your happiness. And today we're going to have a great show. We're actually going to focus on men. A lot of times we focus on women, although sometimes we've focused on men in the past. We had a show called The Man Show, and we've had some other shows that focused on how men love. And today we're going to be focusing on how men can honor women and bring out the goddess in all women. So I'll tell you a little bit about my guest today. His name is Michael Gibson, and he's been working on creating, studying his his course, his field for about 10 years. And um, how I met him was he just he said something. He'll he'll say it correctly when I bring him onto the show. But he said something about wanting to meet the goddess in all women. I was at a one taste event and I thought. I wonder if this person is talking to me. And so I had to explore that because it was really interesting. I've never heard a man say, you know, that when he was on the hot seat, his intention was to find the goddess in every woman. And I thought, wow, this is great. So since that time, I've come to know him very well. And he is set on a course to find the goddess in every woman. And he's actually wanting to teach that to to other men now. So uh, without further ado, well, let's just say, you know, by day, he does uh, techie kinds of things. He's a systems engineer person, but that's good because it makes him a geek. And him being a geek means that when it comes to finding the goddess in women and exploring sensuality and sexuality, he's a geek also. And you know what Reed Mahalko calls people like that? Sex geeks. <laughs> so he's here in the studio with me, and I'm thrilled to introduce to you Michael Gibson. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lori, so much. I love the <laughs> the best uh, introduction ever. Yeah, um, I, you're the first one to ever call me a sex geek. Really? <laughs> yes, you are. Oh, you're totally a sex geek, and, and I love it because um, I really do feel like uh, this is probably one of the areas of my life that I truly enjoy being a geek. So, thank you. You're welcome. You're very welcome. Well, let's uh, let's get right into it. So, how is it that you came to be this way? Like, what what in your life? if we rolled it back a little bit, caused you to have such an interest in women in finding the goddess in women. You couldn't have been born knowing about the goddess. I don't think. No. You know, <laughs> no. your parents didn't say, oh, yeah, there's a goddess. <laughs> right. My parents, my parents weren't hippies. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they didn't, you know, they didn't run around to all the ashrams and, you know, learn from Osho or anything. Um, no, they weren't even into Tantra. In fact, um, growing up, I was pretty much a normal kid in Southern California. Where my story begins is, or the catalyst, if you will, was um, in 2007 when my wife of 16 years divorced me. And um, it was during that trauma, if you will, that crisis of life, uh, that I came to the conclusion, 
okay, I'm not going to be married anymore. I have no access to sex, you know, according to society's rules. So what do I do? Like, how do I figure this out? And uh, I'm, as you said, I'm an IT guy. I'm kind of a network guy. And um, I thought to myself, well, you know, if I had a situation where I needed to learn a skill or something, I would go and research it. So I did what any IT professional would do. I Googled <laughs> how to date women, uh, how to pick up women. And, um, and so that began uh, my, my I, I would say my journey began there. Uh, I began working um, on my pickup skills, the ability to talk to women, to relate to women, because I figured if, if I didn't have that down, then there's no way they'd want to climb into bed with a total stranger who they hadn't even talked to, right? That's not possible. Right. And so I got good at that. I started to become very good at, um, at attracting <laughs> women um, using uh, some techniques that were taught by people like Mystery or Neil Strauss. Um, uh, Tyler Durden from Real Social Dynamics were some of the guys that taught me pickup. It was during that time that I found myself um, struggling in the area of sex. So imagine going in and being able to really talk to a woman and, and turn her on and, and maybe even invite her home. And um, there you are at home. Now what? <laughs> Right? So you didn't even know what to do. <laughs> well, I mean, I'd been married for 16 years. I knew what to do, but I wasn't very good at it. Um, I had a single point of data from my ex-wife that was like, yeah, that works. But sometimes it didn't. Got it. So I, I wasn't good in the bedroom. That That's the that's the realization I came to. And may I just interrupt here and Certainly. say that most men are not good in the bedroom? <laughs> <laughs> Most men are not good in the bedroom. For shame. They don't know. For, well, I'm just going to you know, make a point of this. It's not their fault. It's not men's fault that they're not good in the bedroom. They don't have anyone teaching them how to be or what to do. They probably watch porn to try and discover mm. what to do. Yeah. And porn is not, a, it's not an education tool. Mm. Porn is simply a quick... Um, neurotransmission of endorphins and uh, and a, a quick excitement that leads to another quick excitement, another quick excitement, right. another quick excitement, and women don't like quick. Mm -mm. Women like slow. No, women do not like quick. So, it's, <laughs> so porn is not a way to get an education about uh, no. women. No. And men, where else do they learn? I, I imagine, I used to imagine that you know, in high school, boys would talk about stuff in the locker room oh. or that or but they don't. And I used to think that in fraternity houses, on college campuses, um, me, young men would talk about <laughs> their sexual encounters with each other and give each other pointers. And I don't even think yeah. they talk. I think men are more close lipped about sex than women are. They are. Uh, I've discovered I've done a lot of research on this, as a matter of fact, and I've gone around and talked to a lot of different men about what works in the bedroom for them. What are their sexual prowess? You know, how did you do this? How do you do that? I had a very candid conversation with a friend of mine once and I asked him, you know, what do you say to her when you're fucking her? Like you're in the moment. And he looked at me kind of quizzically and he said, you mean like to get her into bed? And I said, no, man, she's in your bed. You're ha this is happening. What do you say to her to continue the seduction? Well, you know, what is it? And he couldn't tell me. 
Because he doesn't even he goes like this. Duh. He went blank. Like, <laughs> like somebody turned the lights off, you know? And I said, man, I said, <laughs> I said, well, you know, how, how do you know that she's having an orgasm? Like, are you paying attention? And he, he really didn't understand the questions because that's not normal for men to talk like that. Mm-hmm. We simply don't say, you know, well, usually what I like to do is this technique and it's slow and it's this way and, or I'll lift her legs up and I'll move her or what, you know, men don't talk about these kinds of things. And I don't know that women do too in that kind of detail, but I can tell you today, men have a very difficult time communicating that kind of stuff to each other because it's like taboo. We're just supposed to know men should already know how to yeah. love. Well, I already, I mean, when I was growing up, I thought that. I actually thought that. I thought, well, mm. boys know, you know, girls aren't supposed to want it or like it. Boys must know. Mm. And my first sexual experiences were horrific. Yeah. And actually my second and third and fourth and fifth and 10th and 20th. <laughs> most of my sexual experiences uh, were horrific. Yeah. And occasionally I stumbled upon somebody who was more sensual mm. and more, and could talk a little bit about it and, um, clearly, I mean, I, those are the people that I fell in love with. Yes, yes. And whether they were love worthy or not was not the question. <laughs> they were sex worthy, and so it, that equated to love worthy. Uh, absolutely. And I think what I think the best point that you just made now was that it was somebody who was sensual, who was present. I think that's make that makes the difference, and they were able to um, to ignite that passion and desire within you. In that moment. Or they were experimental. They would like Mm. to explore other things. I can count on, really, I can count on one hand. I've had lots of lovers, but Mm. mostly I move through them quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Because they're not, I don't want to spend time, I don't want to spend time with somebody like that, that either I have to teach or that isn't open to being taught, you know. So, so they were more, uh, they were sensual, they communicated, and they were, um, open to explore different things that added um, a quality of excitement and exploration and maybe uh, bordering on taboo. Okay. And so that was what I would be like, oh, yeah, this is finally this. Is I would talk to all my friends about that. And you would. you So you would tell your friends about this amazing experience that you were having. Um, and And, again, men don't do that. So we have this, um, we have this challenge in front of us. And that challenge becomes how then do we show men how to really truly engage with women at the level that they want? Like what you're talking about, somebody who's playful, somebody who can, um, can come into the situation and be, uh, experimental and even a little taboo, as you said. Um, I like the glimmer in your eye when you said it. But the truth is, is that men don't share that information with each other. And this is this is what I'm looking to write that I want to write that ship. Yeah, I get it. I really get it. And I think it's uh, long overdue. And I also I'm just going to add this point mm-hmm. and we don't have to belabor it because actually on the man show that I did a few months ago with Steve Clark, we did talk about this in detail, which is feminism has scared the living bejesus out of men and has robbed men of their balls in a certain way. Um, in the women's movement, we, we wanted to have equal pay for equal work and we wanted to have equality and everything. But what that did was it, uh, it's one of the things that started to feminize men. Yeah. 
and men have become so feminine that they lost their ball somewhere. They don't, they got confused. Like when I was growing up, men used to open the car door. They used to light my cigarette. They used to buy me a drink. They used to buy dinner. They used to do all these things. And now men don't know whether to ask to do those things, to just <laughs> normally do those things, to pay for dinner. Yeah. And the way I, I, you know, I have this funny thing, which I say to my girlfriends, you know, if I'm out on a first date with somebody and I offer to pay, I don't like him. Oh, oh, that's good to know. Yeah, I don't yeah. like him. If well, there I, you go, gentlemen. If, there you I, have it. if I offer to pay for lunch <laughs> yeah. or the coffee or the drink or the whatever, I don't like him that much. And I'm bringing it to an end and I don't want to have any string attached that says, Oh, thank you so much for taking me to dinner. Right. I don't want to have that. Thank you yeah. to that person. I don't really like him. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, so, and culturally, as you know, as you're talking about this culturally, uh, we've literally, we, we, we've shifted to a complete different dynamic and, and it's, um, you know, when I say, um, I believe there's a goddess in every woman, right? I'm speaking to something like an archetype, like the, like woman has the capability to be, um, the most sensual and loving and desirable in a state. And so I think it's so brilliant that when you bring this to the community, to the conversation, mm -hmm. right? you're saying, look, at, I'm going to be in control of my own social surroundings and whether or not I'm going to date this guy again, this is one of my drop beds, <laughs> right? Like this is how I, this, and you do it classly in a very classy way. I like that. So, but, yeah. but here's what I say to men. I say, listen, for the most part, we've been trained in every area of life. We train for our careers. We train for sports. We train for, you know, um, any, any kind of hobby that we might have, we're going to spend time learning or the military, military. We learn how to do. So we have competence in that area of study, not in sex, not in sex. We have no academies for sex. I mean, I've been to, I don't know how many different Tantra experiences, classes, courses, etc., And I don't remember one of them saying, breaking it down. Okay. You do this next, you do this next. And here's why. That's not true. I do that in sex magic. You do that in sex magic. Yes, that's true. <laughs> um, I say, you're going to do this. You're yes. going to work on her breasts for this long. You do. You're going to start <laughs> at the top of her head. You're Slow. Yeah, down. I do. Yes, I do. That. do. And men, literally, they take notes. Mm -hmm. And then I tell them, even though you're taking notes on this, don't make it into a thing. Right. Because if you're with the same woman and you do the same exact thing every time, she's going to get bored very quickly. So. And that's something that I like to call empathic seduction and having this uh, empathy for what she's experiencing. It's a little bit further down the road. Here, well, right? I, we're going to take a break. Okay. When we come back, we'll talk about it. Okay. Awesome. So if you just tuned in, you're listening to Sex and Happiness and I I'm Laurie Handlers, and today I'm interviewing Michael Gibson, who's introducing a program called Just Add Skill, which is part of an overall strategy called the Academy for Men. I had a little something to do with this, so I'm excited about it because, you know, men need an academy, just like Michael just said. They need to be well trained in how it is in the bedroom and just like how it is in the boardroom. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. My question for people right now 
is if you're a woman who could use a little zest and zing in your arousal response, or maybe you know women or a woman who could use this, because many women say that their feelings of desire, arousal, and sexual satisfaction don't happen as naturally or as often as they'd like. So I want to tell you about Zestra, because Zestra was developed to meet this much-needed option for women. Uh, Zestra safe and a patented blend of botanical oils and extracts, and it's created to help women have increased sexual sensations. Zestra comes in convenient single-dose personal packets. Each packet keeps the essential arousal oils and extracts free, fresh, and safe from light. And with application of Zestra, it starts to work within three to five minutes. And at about 10 minutes, there's something called the Zestra Rush. And that can last up to about 45 minutes. The great news is that Zestra can be used as frequently as you like during each sexual experience. Now, I'm somebody who believes that all women deserve sexual satisfaction. That's why I do this show, in case you hadn't noticed. So I believe that men and women deserve sexual satisfaction. So if you're a woman who isn't getting that kind of arousal response that you want, please call 877-426-8047. That's 877-426-8047. And please remember to say you heard about Zestra from Laurie Handler's on the Sex and Happiness Show. Are you wondering what book to read to jumpstart your life? Get the best from relationships? Attain the deepest feelings of intimacy? Do you want the best sex along with great happiness? Get your copy of Sex and Happiness, The Tantric Laws of Intimacy by Lori Handlers right now. You'll learn how to make love in the unknown, take the performance anxiety and reaching a goal out of sex. You'll learn subtle ways of communication and really important practices to empower you when dealing with an intimate partner. You'll let go of blame and struggle. Doesn't this sound great? Sex and happiness puts the innocence back into sex and gives Tantra the respect it deserves. Take charge of your life, physically, emotionally, and spiritually with Sex and Happiness by Lori Handlers. Only $19.99 paperback and $14.99 ebook. Order your copy today by going to ButterflyWorkshops.com. That's ButterflyWorkshops.com for your copy of Sex and Happiness. We're back with Sex and Happiness, and I'm Laurie Handlers, again, your host. And um, today I'm speaking with Michael Gibson, and we're talking about what men need to appreciate and find and discover the goddess in all women and how it is that they can be trained and go about having success Mm. when they meet a woman. So you just mentioned empathic seduction. Yes. So... What is that? Um, that's, a, that's a program that I'm putting together. It's our second, it's our level two of Just Add Skill. Um, in Just Add Skill level one, we go through the basics of pleasuring women. How do we pleasure them physically and knowing anatomy and other things. But empathic seduction comes in where, as you said, no woman is the same. And so you're not dealing with um, the same uh uh, body makeup or body type. You're not dealing with the same emotional um, things that another woman has or even the same chemistry for that matter. So you really do need to be empathic or at least have empathy for what she's experiencing in the moment. 
And how I do that is I just, I be present. And so I teach a very deep dive on presence and how to get there. Um, I think that most women have it that men are not present. In fact, I say this often, men are very visually excited. We're very visually driven, Mm -hmm. right? And isn't it strange that so many women feel so unseen? Well, because, yeah, because because men see the outside. They see the the contours of the figure. They see what she's wearing. They see her, the sparkle in her eye or her earrings shaking Mm -hmm. and her breast shaking and her everything shaking when she walks. But they're not present to like all the rest of what's beneath the surface. They're not perceiving her. Right. That's what I, that, and I had a good friend say that to me the, yesterday. Uh, men don't perceive women. We simply see the trappings. And that's what gets us going. It's very animalistic. And what I'm advocating is that men go beyond that, that we actually begin to perceive women for who they are. You have this appreciation for this lovely, beautiful goddess that you're dealing with. And I, my mother is, has a goddess in her. My daughter has a goddess in her. Every woman has that. And it's for men to really draw that out. And that's what I intend to teach um, in a very simple way. It's not its not rocket science, as you say. It's not rocket science. No, it's not rocket science. <laughs> now, my, I have a friend, Stuart, who mm-hmm. says that men have to become heroes. Every, man, every woman a goddess, every man a hero. And he I like sa- that. He says that um, the reason men... You know, it predates what I said, feminism. Mm-hmm. Like he says that men lost their job when they when we they didn't have to be hunters anymore, right. and when there were no saber toothed tigers to protect the family against or to like that. Like all of a sudden, there was uh, domestic animals. Yep. Uh, there was animal husbandry. There was planting of crops. And so the men didn't have to hunt anymore. What were the men going to do? And so they started we began hunting women. That's what happened. He says that they started protecting the surplus yes. of the crops. And that's where territory came in and land came in and boundaries and then fighting over turf. That all came in because men had nothing to do when there was no physical threat of the saber-toothed tiger. I mean, that's very much it because the physical threat became other men wanting to take your stores. Or your woman. Or your woman or your children even. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a lot of how it was. I I look at it like this. When we talk about hunter-gatherer, I think what men lost is, and I'll say it this way, um, as a hunter, uh, I, as a man, I'm a hunter. I can... I can go out and search and find the elk or whatever it is I'm looking for. And then I have this thing called single focus where I can look and watch and see how fast it's going. And if you put a spear in my hand, I become a predator. So at that point, now I've gone from hunter to predator and I'm able to go out and kill what I need and bring it back. I have to have the strength for all of that. It's, it's all encompassed in man. What the problem is, is that woman is never and never should have been and never has been, should be the prey. <laughs> men should not be hunting women. And that's exactly what we do. There's a, there's or stalking a, or women. stalking women. There's an archetype that is appropriate for man to be rather than be hunter for woman. And I call that archetype shaman. So rather than being the hunter of women, you become the shaman of women. 
And now you have a whole different world to live in because you're bringing out the best in her. You're causing her pleasure and you're watching her move through those moments, right, of sheer ecstasy. And she can see herself. This is what's so beautiful. She can see herself in those moments and she can see who she really is. And that's when I say she's met the goddess. You know, that's interesting. I couldn't I could pick a bone of contention here for a minute, which is to say I didn't I used to try and see myself in the eyes of my partners, mm. in the eyes of my lovers, because I needed that validation. But something shifted for me in Tantra, which was I saw myself in my own eyes and in my own reflection. And so it's a different thing now. Yeah. And I took myself past my point of no return sexually as well. So, I mean, that must be, you know, I'm going to keep teaching what I teach mm-hmm. and, um, and teach women to do that. Um, I'm working on this program now, as you know, called Dream Girls with my friend Jennifer Katz. And last night I talked about sex magic with the women and I told them how to take themselves beyond the point that anyone's ever taken them sexually so they know what their body can do. So obviously when a shaman gets together with a (laughs) (laughs) with a tantra master or whatever, there's different kind of sparks. Yeah. But. I think at first, for, if a woman has an experience with a present man, and I like the word present because present also means gift. Mm. Like yes, he gives yes. the gift of his presence, which is a present. Yes. Um, as long as he's not trying to hook her, like if there's not, if there's no hooks, if it's really a gift, mm-hmm. what he's doing, then she gets to see herself in all her glory. Um, and then then there's the piece about her not trying to hook. So it's, it's, um, it's an interesting dance because, because this hook thing that people do, uh, leads to codependency. Well, let me take you back to, um, to my story. Uh, this, cause this is so appropriate when, when I first started learning this, um, I didn't realize that there were some things happening physically to a woman that um, caused her to want to spend more time with me or to have more of that, right? Like I want more. And um, that thing was called oxytocin. I had no idea that what I was producing in a woman was this oxytocin release that now I know is the love hormone, right? It causes trust. It elicits a lot of other emotions and cuddling, chemicals. sweetness, eye, and all the other and all the other things. Yes, yeah. touch. All of that will produce oxytocin, but orgasm seems to be a really good <laughs> releaser <laughs> of uh, of oxytocin, which I absolutely love. And and what I mean by that is that I found myself getting hooked um, with women I was spending time with in the early days because of it, and I didn't know why. I knew that I wanted variety and I wanted to be someone who could offer variety for women, but I didn't, I didn't understand the hook part of it. And so once I got that laid out and nailed out, I figured out that, look, the best way to, to, to really truly be someone who can provide loving care and sexual pleasure was to be somebody without hooks. And that took an understanding of chemistry. 
<laughs> that was the big one for me. Mm. So I started to really research chemistry as well as the anatomy of a woman. And, um, and once I discovered those pieces, uh, I started to follow that trail. And now we have an entire program built around how to truly pleasure a woman using the knowledge of anatomy, chemistry, and also being able to truly touch in a way that, um, that, that provides what I call honoring of the goddess. Well, there's one other piece that just came up for me when you were talking, and that's that I, I wrote this in my book, um, which I wrote my book in 2003 and four mm-hmm. and five. I think I published it in 2006. There's something about this thing where women want men to stay and men always know they have to leave. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's something about being present and then it's knowing that I'm present right now, but in a few minutes, I'm going to have to leave. Yes. Either it's leaving to go off to war where you could be killed. It's leaving to go to work. It's leaving to go just having to be in the man cave. It doesn't necessarily mean leaving to have to go to another woman. Right. Because if I ask women and men what they want, like most women who come to Tantra say they're looking for one monogamous relationship (laughs) and most men say they're looking for polyamorous multiple relationships and I mean I'm not gonna this show's not gonna be about are people relationship avoidant or are people still trying to form codependencies that's a different show Mm -hmm. but there is something about when we say be present being present means being fully there, fully present, but also knowing in your heart or in your chemistry as a man, you have to go at some point. You have to go. That's so true. And women needing to know that they have to go. <laughs> like they, wherever <laughs> wherever life is taking them, they have to get on that ship and steer it into the ocean. You know, <laughs> They'll be back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they have to go. They just, they have to go. It's, it's in, it's wired in a man's chemistry. A man is not supposed to be, even if he's, you know, if you're into astrology and the man's a cancer, you know, and he wants to be home and inside the crab shell, um, he's got to go. He wants his own space. Yeah. He has to crawl back to the, to the water, <laughs> back through the sand or whatever. So, uh, I think knowing that, that that's, nature mm-hmm. I don't know there's something there's something mature yeah. to be gotten about that and to know that and I, my, I hate to bring the bad news but that's the it, news it's so true one of my one of my favorite writers and researchers authors is Christopher Ryan who wrote a book called sex at dawn I highly recommend everybody get that book and study it um, it's a fantastic look at sex when we were primates or when we were emerging as humans and what it looked like. And, and a lot of this can be extrapolated from um, the research that's been done with, uh, you know, chimps and bonobos. But the, the beautiful thing about it is, is that in those societies prior to what you were talking about earlier, when we had this, you know, it was uh, we were emerging as a society and we started storing our grain and everything else. Um, we went, we were, before we were agriculturalists, we were egalitarians and we shared everything. We shared food. We shared each other as lovers. Um, children were not, they were not, um, you know, condemned to one father, one mother. <laughs> they had an entire <laughs> village, <laughs> right? You know, condemned. <laughs> I love that. Uh, but, 
the beauty of that was is that we were able to then, and we knew back then, that we were able to share our, our love and our bodies and our experiences with each other freely. Today, that's a completely different ideal. Um, well, I question love. Seems foreign. I question love is even a concept. I think that's something the church brought in. To like make new churchgoers. Like if you, yeah. if a per, two people love each other and then they have the child and the child then becomes like, you know, mm. a possession of the church. I think love. I, I agree. Either Hallmark or the church. <laughs> it was the church. Made up love. Church. But, but. I highly agree. See, cause I think back in the day of, um, the Beltane festivals, mm-hmm. I think that it was a women, uh, a women centric. A female-centric culture, and I think that the matriarchy. Yeah, yeah, when they had Beltane festivals, this is—I mean, I—I'm sorry to say this because you're a man, but I'm just going to have to say, <laughs> I think that women, you know, to fertilize the crops and whatever ritual they did, and during Beltane, I think that uh, they had sex with multiple men in those in those ceremonies mm-hmm. and in those rituals and those festivals, and I think that when they got pregnant, the man didn't even know. Which child was his? Like later on, if the child grew up looking exactly like him, he'd go, duh, that's my child. But they probably had sex with so many people on a particular evening. Oh, yeah. um, And it wasn't about this is my woman. The the women were like, I'm doing this with my body to, like, make our, our, our culture, our society work. And to make and to fertilize our crops and to honor the moon and whatever. And I think men just didn't even get it that that act of whatever they were doing was the thing that made those women pregnant. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting. Um, Chris Ryan talks about this a little bit in his book, and he says, you know what what would happen is if a woman wanted a child that was smart, was a good hunter, was funny, was, you know, like a chieftain type or a leader, well, she would have sex with the funny guy, the smart guy, the great hunter, or she would have sex with all of them because they believed that the, the coalesce, the, the coalition or the coalescence of the, of the sperm of these men would create the baby. She had enough, she had to have enough sperm. That's what was believed to actually have a baby. So you have five oh. or six men or ten men that you she could have sex you with. Mix up the to juice. mix up the seed. Yeah. And then she would have all of these great things within her baby. And this was part of the culture. In fact, they treated that child the way that she believed. Oh, he's a smart one, he's a funny one. And that child was brought up to be whatever they believed that, that um Interesting. the fathers were. And they all participated in fathering that child. Right. All of the men did. They all stepped forward and said, Yes, I've had sex with her. You know, and they would uh, they would take on the acknowledgement that yes, this is my child. Beautiful yeah. way to do things. And again, no hooks. There was always just this ability to just freely give uh, in that environment, in that society. Uh, I would say that's a step up <laughs> from what uh-huh. we got today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to take a break here, and when we come back, we'll talk about that a little bit more. I mean, that's yes, and how to recreate that. Mm-hmm. Who knows? So we'll be back. Uh, if you just tuned in again, this is Laurie Handlers. You're listening to Sex and Happiness. I'm here with Michael Gibson. We're having a very lively conversation about how it is to be a man and how it is to be with women. And that's really the bottom line. We got a little carried away there in Beltane festivals and bonobos, but we're coming back and we'll talk more about it. Stay tuned.
As a sex and happiness coach, I understand that increased sexual participation intensifies sexual responsiveness and desire, as well as overall health and well-being. My experience with the Sibian has personally increased my sexual response, and I can now train women to use this machine to have peak orgasms as often as possible. I strongly believe this will add to their health and well-being whether they have a partner or not. The beauty and the miracle of the human body is that it adapts and changes much more rapidly than people change their beliefs or their opinions. The Sibian can make any woman's body more resilient with each peak orgasm. Sibian is an amazing experience, often described as the Lamborghini of sex toys. If you're a woman and you can get yourself to look at Sibian, you should do so. It won't take away from your partner. It will only add. Trust me on this. I love my Sibian. Go to Sibian.com. That's S-Y-B-I-A-N dot com. Or call 1-800-253-6135. That's 800-253-6135. And say Laurie Handler's told you about Sibian. And by the way, if you do have a partner, ask about Venus for Men. That's Venus, V-E-N-U-S, for men. Many times on Sex and Happiness, you've heard Lori talk about emotional release and how important it is. Well, now you can do emotional release in the privacy of your own home. In Lori's CD, Shamanic Release and Lottie Han, she creates a safe and sacred space in which you can do the powerful work Lori is known for in her sacred sexuality courses. Lori sets you up with the proper positioning and breathing. Then she guides you through each emotional state to the beat of tribal African rhythms. This CD provides an easy way to do emotional clearing work on a regular basis. Order your copy of Shamanic Release and Lottie Han today and watch your relationships walk free of emotional baggage. To order the Shamanic Release and Lottie Han CD by Lori Handlers, Go to www.butterflyworkshops.com right now. We are back with Sex and Happiness. And the last thing that Michael said before I cut the break was about a step up, how there was a step up. And I'm not sure you want to continue this this line of thinking or what. I, I... personally want to get more into what it is that you're creating, mm. what it is that we're launching here. Actually, this show is launching. Uh, the, this is memorializing the ideas of this man and putting them out into into our culture. So I'm going to change and say, what, do you, what is it? What are you bringing? Perfect left turn. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so what I bring is uh, a new, I would say, a new consciousness to how our bodies work male and female, and I teach men simple structures or techniques and and with an understanding of anatomy and with an understanding of chemistry, how to touch a woman such that she's getting the fullness of the pleasure. The other piece that I teach is how to be present as a man. And I I mentioned this earlier, right? Men are really good at hunters and we're single focused. If we need to get something done, you know, we can do that. 
women are very different. They have a very um, pan. They can see all things at once. It's called diffuse awareness. Um, thank you, Alison Armstrong, for that. Uh, diffuse awareness means that you experience everything all at once. Well, and internally, and inter. And so, how does a man address that if we're if we're just good at throwing the spear, <laughs> right? We everything seems like you're you're out to get it, like yeah. you're you're on the prowl, right? And that doesn't work for women. So, how do you then begin? This is part of the program. How do you then begin to touch touch a woman in such a way where she's no longer feeling like she's the prey? Um, you're creating safe space for her. Um, and through that, we do something called in, in the program, we do something called having an adult conversation about sex. And so we start with skill number one, which is how to have that conversation. Consent is the first topic. The second one is our safer sex conversation. And then the third one is our, um, I guess, boundaries and so or our agreements. And within that, you may be familiar with this. It's of your course. desires, fears, and boundaries. And so having an adult conversation with a woman that, as a man and leading that conversation is the beginning of safety because you're communicating to her. And I say this all the time. Consent is the beginning of good sex. And consent is always revocable. It's why in our, our uh, community, we have something called safe words, Right. Safe words can can get you out of a situation if you're engaged in something that doesn't work for you anymore. You can revoke your consent. That's right. very powerful. Or at least get something to stop. Right. That's very powerful for a woman. But um, I Well, I also want to add something, though, mm-hmm. because there's something other than safer sex conversation and even something beyond desires, fears, and boundaries, which is if it's a first encounter with somebody, what would it mean – to you if I had sex with you. Yeah, emotionally. Yeah, like what would it what do do you want me to call you tomorrow? Yeah. Do you want a text that says thanks, it was great? Mm-hmm. What would it mean? Yes. Yeah. I mean and I, I say that because of where I'm at, my status, mm-hmm. you know, as a sex goddess, but I just think that's a really good conversation. A lot of people won't come clean either in that conversation. And it's very important um, that you both have that conversation because if I were to ask you, what would it mean to you emotionally if you and I had sex and you came back with something like, well, it would mean that, you know, we're starting a relationship and we're going into a monogamous thing like that. At that point, I might be able to actually communicate, but that's not exactly what I'm looking for. And now you're at choice. And so am I. So this is an adult conversation. Not very many people have these kinds of conversations. At that point, I might say it's probably best that we don't have sex because if you're looking for a monogamous relationship, I'm, pro- I'm not your man. But if you're looking to, um, to expand yourself and, and enjoy yourself and be pleasured, then without stra- you know, any strings or hooks attached, then I am your man. And, um, and I can be your man until you find that man, right? I might be a go-between and... You know, why not? <laughs> you know, it's your life. Enjoy it. So, yeah, that's absolutely important. So, okay. So then you have these conversations mm-hmm. and you, and then somebody, you decide to proceed. Yes. You, you decide to proceed knowing that sex does foster intimacy mm-hmm. because of oxytocin. Absolutely. So then what? <laughs> well, in the program, um, we move from having these conversations to understanding the anatomy of women. Uh, there are pleasure points on a woman. They, um, they find themselves in erogenous zones. And I've 
made some definitions here, but the erogeny zone, the hard erogeny zone is going to be erogenous zone is going to be your breasts, your areolas, your nipples, and that all connects down your super highway <laughs> of feelings, right? Your your um, uh, your your back, your your spine, mm -hmm. it hits that nervous system and it expands out. And there are other uh, erogenous zones. The second one that I identify is um, your, your sex erogenous zone. And on a woman, it's just below the um, belly button down to the knees. So that's an interesting thing to think about. Wow, I thought it was just her vagina, you know, or it was just her clitoris. No, all of that is integrated and it's all feeling. And so I teach men where to, where to touch and how through technique. Um, but the anatomy is important because if we don't understand your anatomy, then we're kind of fumbling around, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, I would say that most of my sexual experiences were people fumbling, fumbling around. around. <laughs> and they knew more about football than they knew about my body. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Yes. So, And then there's a third erogenous zone, and that is called the mind. And I love that erogenous zone. Mm. Many women are sapiosexual uh, mm -hmm. and they really do need to be stimulated in the mind. Um, so I recommend that men um, become intelligent, <laughs> right? So that you can have conversations that are very hot and very sexy. I want to bring something in here that I don't think you, we have ever discussed, but I, I want to say this, that um, physiologically men can be directly touched on their penis within one minute of, the idea of sex. Um, physiologically, women cannot be touched directly on their clitoris or in their yeah. vagina for possibly up to 40 minutes. Yeah. So sapiosexuality is like a, a very important concept. For a woman to even want someone to touch her, she needs to be seduced in her mind. Absolutely. There, there needs to be some, you know, well, and that's the part of empathic seduction that I that I bring out in the, in level two, um, but I do speak of it, and I think it's important that men understand if you seduce her mind, her body will follow. Mm -hmm. um, you know, humor is very important. Um, understanding what she loves and getting to know her, and having those conversations that really inspire her, spark her, you know, uh, her intellect, uh, bring that out of her. That's the sapiosexual piece to it. Um, the rest of it comes down to touch and how to touch. And so we're going to go into that. The other thing we're going to talk about again is the oxytocin and serotonin and, you know, all of the other delicious cocktail of hormones that are released when you touch a woman this way. Mm -hmm. And the best part of it is, is that it's reproducible. These results I've gotten um, have come through research. So they're reproducible over and over and over again. However, the things that do change are the women that you're with. And so you want to become very attentive to the woman you're with. Don't just think that these techniques are just going to work everywhere, right? They do. And you're not with the same goddess. <laughs> you better get that. <laughs> right. And you also better keep your stories straight. <laughs> <laughs> I do, uh, But I wanted to say something here because um, we, we're, we kind of have like two, two minutes to go. Um, there's something about men, you know, in my teachings, men also have to become receivers. 
mm-hmm. and men don't know how to do that for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, men know how to get a blow job, but other than that, they don't, they're not really, <laughs> you know, most yeah. men really like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, we could say, okay, women need to learn that better. Mm-hmm. Plenty of my friends make money by teaching how to give a blow job on a banana. But, <laughs> But I'm, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not, it's, I'm joking about it, but they do do that. <laughs> okay. Um, but um, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about also finding the goddess within mm-hmm. men, you know, because we're all masculine and feminine, mm-hmm. all of us yes. being able to find that. God. And th- there's a whole new generation coming up that has no, pro- nothing. They're not binary. Yeah. They're not masculine or feminine, but we're not. We won't go I'm there not with talking about that right our, now. Our LGBT friends and those people, yeah, that are, yeah, in those communities, and they're they're part of our community because I think we are part of that community. Exactly. Yeah, so there's this piece about men finding the goddess within as also. So I, I'd like themselves. to speak to that. I think yeah. that's important. That's level three for us, and that's that's the modern shaman, the, the way to really truly connect with the goddess that you're that you're. Uh, embracing in the moment is to actually have connected to your own goddess. And I call that the shaman. That's your feminine. Your masculine is your hunter predator, right? Your feminine is your shaman. That's how you can interact, understanding your own goddess within. I know this sounds like very woo woo and, and I'd love to define what I mean by goddess, but it's your perfect sensual self at the height of your um, expression, right? Your freedom to express your sexual love and desire. Um, I think that is very much embodies the goddess. And so if you, if you as a man can connect to that, oh my goodness, you become so much more valuable and, and, and um, um, I, I think aware of the goddess that you're in, embracing. It's very important. Awesome. Thank you. Mm. So how can people find you? Well, you can find us online uh, at just adskill.org. Uh, that is a connection to our Patreon page. And right now we're working through Patreon. Also, um, when you go through our programs, you'll be added to our secret group, which is called the Academy for Men. And so as we develop materials and we begin to bring this forward, uh, we'll have a little bit more uh, availability as far as email addresses and other things. Also, you can email me at michael at justadskill.org. And I'll respond to you and, and see about having you come in and, and be a part of our programs. But uh, that's one of the easiest ways to get a hold of me. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you for being my guest today. It was a pleasure. Yeah, it was a pleasure. It was wonderful talking about it all. And it's I think it's bringing a freshness uh, and uh, taking the fear away. I mean, um, men, you can learn. Mm. And uh, women, you can send men to learn. Mm. So, I mean, there's more options in terms of skill and learning. And um, and ultimately, this increases sex and happiness. It does. And it increases intimacy and what, and, it, what it is that you want. And something I learned from you recently is that it also can extend your life. Yes, it can. <laughs> sex can extend your life. I love sex it. and longevity. <laughs> yes. So... With that, I'm going to say thank you to you, and I'm going to let people know that next time, tune in when I'm going to be speaking to two people about somatic experience and sex, which is a whole different thing. It has to do what my understanding of somatic uh, experiencing is releasing trauma 
and then uh, finding and then actually incorporating sex. But I, I'm just making that up. I don't know exactly what my guests are going to talk about, but they're experts in somatic experiencing. So tune in next time. That'll be my show. Thank you for listening. Without you, I couldn't do this, and it wouldn't make a difference, but it makes a difference because of you. So this is Laurie Handler signing off for Sex and Happiness. Thank you for joining us today for Sex and Happiness. To learn more about Laurie and her work, please go to ButterflyWorkshops.com or follow her on Twitter or Facebook. You can send her an email at sexandhappiness at gmail.com. We'll see you again right here next week for another edition of Sex and Happiness. Oh.